This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi, I'm Dave Conlon. I'm an archaeologist with the United States National Park Service's Submerged Resources Center. I'm an underwater archaeologist and I'm on the Big Scuba podcast with Gemma and Ian. And we're talking about USS Arizona. We're talking about Dave's path through life. And we're talking about saving the planet one bit at a time. Hope you'll join us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Scuba podcast. This is episode 102. 102. You're very jazz handy today. Yes. Well, you know, talking hands. So welcome back to the Big Scuba. This is the podcast. We talk about scuba diving, free diving, having fun in the water, underwater, underwater, and uh, generally, you know, diving. Yeah, and anything to do with protecting the oceans and the rivers and our waterways. We certainly do. So, um, if you are new to the podcast, welcome, where have you been? But anyway, thanks for joining us. Go back, have a look. There's about 100 other episodes out there with various <laughs> other guests out Plenty there. Plenty to keep you busy yeah. and lots of uh, variety with our guests. We certainly is. And we want to say, you know, welcome you for joining us once more, once again this week. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Coming up on The Big Scuba, we have a little chat about what we've been up to. Um, but we've got another exciting guest and because there's a good reason mm-hmm. we've got this guest on we we, we, we have a plan don't we, we do well we today do try and have a plan. will be the uh, 6th of december yeah when this comes out so tomorrow it's a special day it's a special day for our particularly for our american friends um over there across the pond um so the 7th of december is a very special day uh, because it is a 80th anniversary of mm-hmm. the attacks on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, so it's remembered yeah, every year. But, but why are we talking about it? You know, we're scuba diving podcasts. Why, why on earth are we talking about well, that? But tell them about our guest. Okay, so um, we, you know, it's a serious subject, and um, we wanted to mark that by finding out about, you know, the USS. Arizona. It's yes. a big battleship and um, it is one of many ships that was attacked that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was about 1,200 sailors on board that went Lost down with life. it, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a very important wreck today. It's a site of remembrance. And we wanted to mark that by speaking to somebody who's involved in its preservation. Yeah, and people... If they know anything about Pearl Harbor, or maybe have just seen pictures on, like in brochures, they will have seen the Arizona because it has like a walk or a viewing platform over it. So yeah. it probably will uh, be recognised by people that yeah don't yeah. understand the significance of it. So, yeah. but Dave Conlin, uh, he's been involved in many uh, wrecks, and uh, you'll he'll, he'll, he will explain his uh, diving journey mm-hmm. to us, and uh, we've got mutual friends in the diving world and uh, but he's done some really great uh, diving and been involved in some really major projects but Dave has been has spent um, a considerable amount of time and you know the it's very tightly controlled about who gets to dive the Arizona as the you know any of the other wrecks in the well, they're war graves because they're war graves yeah. uh, you know that's not open to the public and rightly so um, they're totally protected 
and but Dave's been there as part of the team mm. to study as a scientist and a archaeologist it's about preservation about it? you know what's going on with the ship um, how's it being um, at, at the moment you know it will still be about and um, you know because we need to know these things there's, there's an impact in, on the environment as well and we talk about all these things. Yeah, and it's really know. interesting to see yeah. Yeah, what they're being. And, kind of, and, and we hope it does go some way, our little part, to mark that date. Yes. You know, because it is a really important, not just for the, uh, you know, in US history, it is but in the world history, you know. And uh, because we know from that, uh, those attacks, you know, it brought America into, into the playing game, really. a bit of ma- a major part in World War Two. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the change in the world from there so mm. uh yes you know it's very important to us all and uh, we all take time to remember our veterans yeah and, and it was um, really nice that dave gave us some of his time and yeah we had a great conversation with him it is and um so uh, you know uh, we hope you enjoy yes. but that's that we'll come to dave shortly um what have you been up to? What's been, you know, since we last spoke, what's going on on the, tell us what's, what's going on on the Coast Guard front? <laughs> well, we haven't done any diving, so that's a, yeah, because it's obviously a little bit chilly and we've been busy with other things. So Coast Guarding, yeah. I am now operational. Uh, I did my CERT course, which is the Coast Guard Emergency Responder Casualty Care course over oh, three days. Okay. So that covered medical trauma and, yeah, all things um, sort of So you've done care. all the life sort of, you know, how to rescue people out of the water. Yeah, I suppose layman's terms, first, first aid, and then we've done water rescue and how to do a missing person search. So this part of the course was to learn, what, like CPR? Yes, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. So, and then um, the 1st of December, officially on call. Oh, wow. <laughs> so how does that work? How does the... So when you say you're on call... You can um, choose when you want to be on call to fit, obviously, around work and... Uh, right. Then if you are on call and a call comes in from Humber, who oversee, that's like the headquarters. So if a member of the public has seen something in the water, then Maybe Humber. a diver, unconscious, Yeah, it or could anything be anything, like yeah. Or if they've seen some ordnance or a, um, a flare on the beach. Yeah. And then somebody will dial 999 and then they'll, our emergency service is obviously the Coast Guard. Yeah, so which happens call. quite a lot on our shores. It does, yeah. There's, um, there's been, in the history of uh, going back probably hundred, couple of hundred years, there's been a long mm-hmm. history of the Army testing and the Navy testing, uh, North Norfolk, the RAF, yes. they're testing out to sea and stuff, and things get washed up, especially with the cliffs eroding. Well, we've got the erosion and, going on with the, yeah, changes in the weather and the changes in the sea levels, so yeah. things are getting um Stuff yeah, that was down. buried a hundred years ago, exactly. when they thought, you know, that's, we're miles from the sea, is now right on the seafront, and you know it's being exposed because yes. meters upon meters collapse every well, year, don't they? Also, it came to light. I went out on exercise on Thursday, um, just as a kind of volunteer um, for some more training. But even the rabbits, like on the heathland by the beach, can be digging up ordnance as well. No way. And dogs. Yeah. So poor old um, thumper could Might be digging just lift up a grenade out. Of, yeah, yeah, but it's a poor the, bunny rabbit. Yeah. So that's all stuff that um, happens. Yeah. So, still waiting for a first official call, but yeah, really looking forward to it. And we have training every Monday night. But if you're not a vegetarian, rabbit stew. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Joking. Anyway, yes, so that's my Coast Guard story so far. Brilliant. Well, keep us posted on that. And, um, you know, that'd be, be interesting to hear, you know, when you get your first shout on that, really. Yeah, well, I, I won't be able to, can't go into details, not into detail, but, but yeah. Yeah, it'd so. be interesting to hear, you know, what sort of scenario it was. Yeah, we've got a few things. I think we're helping with the Christmas Day beach swim in right. Lowestoft. Okay. So we'll be there and setting our sirens off to start the race. I Are think. you going in the water? No, I'm obviously going to be on duty. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not partaking. I thought you might do that bit. Um, no, it's far too cold for me. I'm a more of a, a I can warm save water you. <laughs> swimmer. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've got um, yeah a couple of other things in the pipeline as well. Okay, all right, sounds good. So, got any questions for Jem about, and maybe you're listening to this and you think, hey, I live by the coast. Maybe I can volunteer and get involved in this coast card business. Well, there we go. You've got, you're now listening to someone who is involved and, you know, now's the time to ask some questions. Yeah. Yeah, or contact your local Coast Guard team and see if they're looking for any new recruits and volunteers. That would be really good. Um, also, I want to say, uh, well, what I've been up yeah, to... Yeah, what have you been up to? Okay, uh, not as much an exciting things as you. Um, still going to CrossFit, still going to the gym, um, trying to work on my flexibility because I'm <laughs> trying to do more stretching and things like that. And I've got my... Dive and medical um, coming up in April, Mm -hmm. Uh, so sort of working, but to make sure I can get that, and uh, so I can do more dive master stuff because I haven't done any this year because of the lockdowns and things like that, and we didn't really know what was going on. We're busy with the podcast and everything, so I haven't done any this year, but. Next year, I really want to get back into it. Well, so, we've been uh, sorting a few like plans out for next year, and we've penciled yeah. in some dates. Yeah, so hopefully you're all being well. So uh, get me medical, and I'll be back to doing dive mastering next year. Um, so that's kind of it, really, been about it, really, from what I've been up to. Yes. Apart from doing the usual social medias and things like that. Um, there's, we have got some well dones. Yeah, should we leave those to the end, or are we going to talk to Dave first? Well, let's talk to Dave and we'll yeah, uh, so. do the well dones at the end, shall yeah, we? Yeah, so yeah, keep tuned and uh, we'll catch up with Dave and listen to everything about... Um, yeah, stick with this, this is a really good one and uh, another good one. So uh, here he is. Yeah, this is Dave Conlin, episode 102. Thank you, Dave Conlin, for joining us on The Big Scuba. Um, with us is Gemma and myself and Dave. And uh, we want to say, you know, thank you very much for giving us some time to talk about your diving, your diving history and career uh, with the National Park Services. And also we're particularly interested because it is the 80th anniversary and the uh, commemoration of the Battle of Pearl Harbor and the particularly the sinking of the uh, Arizona. And, you know, you've been involved in its presentation. Um, so, but before we get to 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 that, um, Dave, could you tell us a bit about you and your diving career and your history? How did you get into scuba diving? Okay, well, um, first off, thank you so much, both of you, for for hosting me here on on the Big Scuba podcast. I'm I'm thrilled to um, be here and meet with you, and um, so thank you for your time. And listeners out there, hopefully there's a couple beyond my mom who will be tuning in. <laughs> um, uh, my name is Dave Conlon. I'm um, 
chief of the National Park Service Submerged Resources Center, and we're a small team of divers um, and specialists that, that travel around um, in national parks and work with partners looking at things underwater. So how did this all start? I mean, I always wanted to be an underwater archaeologist. When I was years old, I wanted to be an underwater archaeologist. When I was six years old, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And then when I got to be eight, I wanted to be a marine archaeologist. And I grew up in Colorado and we're about 2,000 kilometers from the nearest beach. So we're pretty much at the geographical center of the United States. And how it came to pass that I wanted to be an underwater archaeologist, I, I could not tell you other than I watched Jacques Cousteau, you know, the Cousteau mm -hmm. was on television, every issue of National Geographic that had anything to do with diving or being underwater. I, I, I was always a, a huge fan of that. Anything having to do with, with underwater stuff, I was just absolutely mad about. And, um, uh, but I didn't actually step foot in the ocean until I was probably six or seven years old, which is kind of probably remarkable for, for our listeners who are in the UK where, you know, what you're like a hundred kilometers from the ocean at, at, at most, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I went off to, to college and, um, it was there in my first year of college, I, I learned how to scuba dive and I had a sort of a brief flirtation with uh, going back into biology and perhaps medicine. Um, and then I think that uh, organic chemistry cured me of any plans I might've had to, to get into the hard sciences. And so I, uh, I got my kind of um, first degree was in anthropology and archaeology and began doing underwater archaeology at Port Royal, Jamaica in about 1981. Wow. Something like that. Um, and that was a, a, an underwater archaeology field school with Texas A&M University. And just from there, I've been involved with, with diving as a career, diving as science, diving as, as a, a passion for, gosh, it's 40 years now. This year marks 40 years of, of involvement with that. So it's quite, um, quite, the, quite the thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. So have you dived in other places around the world? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's uh, my diving has been, I would say, 99.9% for work and about one tenth of 1% for, for fun, which is a probably, uh, you know, upside down for a, lo a lot of people out there. And um, so, you know, I have done some diving for for pleasure it's a bit odd to to roll off a boat and not have a bunch of kit strapped onto you and a, a list of tasks that you need to accomplish but um you know I, originally when i first started diving there was a a bit of a it was sort of a reverse 
um, snobbery with the diving archaeologists, and and they kind of held it as as a badge of honor that they would have, you know, hundreds or thousands of dives, and they they would have just basically an open water one ticket, you know, no advanced training at all. And, and um, you know, when I started working for the National Park Service, I met people who were just incredible divers. And, and what they pointed out to me was you can't collect valid scientific information if you're struggling not to drown, you know, <laughs> while you're there. And, and so, you know, notion that 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 you can just kind of have the the bare minimum diving credentials and go out and be a, a competent professional is just ridiculous and so over the years I have gathered a sort of the the full suite of diving certifications from you know uh, tech hypoxic um, rebreather cave, breather, um, you know, hypoxic rebreather, surface supplied, um, pretty much everything that you can get up to kind of light commercial, not a full commercial ticket, but, but I think, um, you know, I've got an instructor certification, dive master, rescue diver, all of those sorts of things. And those have all come um, as part of my commitment to becoming a better diver working at the craft of diving yeah i can do better science so i can be a better scientist underwater yeah what about on the um hyperbaric side of things have you done much on on that you know it's quite a lot of science and physics involved in understanding that that side of things you mean like chamber operations yeah. and yeah. diving medicine and stuff not really i mean um you know, of course, all the advanced diving and, and the instruction instructor certs and stuff involve a lot of diving physiology and physics. And we have in the National Park Service an, an ongoing commitment to training um, and working uh, continually to to stay current with latest developments and in, in you know thinking about decompression algorithms and, and treatments mm -hmm. and so on so i do stay current but i wouldn't say that you know I, I don't know how to operate a chamber um i've been in a chamber a couple of times and uh you know that side of things isn't really um something that i've focused on the one thing that we have focused on is um you know i'm sure you're familiar with gareth Locke's human factors human practice yeah with with diving and we've really embraced that fully as a as a team we were a very small team we're we're eight people all together and you know we work intensely on field projects <coughs> excuse me <coughs> we work intensely on field projects that last you know weeks or months at a time and so in very small cramped and difficult conditions and so kind of understanding how information flows within a small group, how decisions are made, how risk is assessed, all of those things have been incredibly valuable lessons. And, and Gareth has done a really a brilliant job of taking those kinds of things from the aviation industry or, or from, you know, the military or from, from medicine or, or whatnot and applying them in a way that makes sense for, for those of us that are working as divers. So yeah. that, 
kind of part of our work as well. Yeah, some pretty interesting things. Um, I follow him on social media, and uh, it, some of the things that he's posted on his work is really quite interesting, how that can affect you know, divers and making sure you've got checklists, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. So um, your diving is quite varied then. You know, have you dived around the world? Uh, I know you've been involved in certain projects, um, like with the B-29 bomber. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned uh, Alaska. Uh, you've done some diving up there. Well, so so the national, the American National Park System is incredibly geographically diverse. So we have national parks in Alaska, and we have national parks south of the equator in American Samoa, and 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 everywhere in between. And so the work that that we do for the National Park Service with the Submerged Resources Center is incredibly diverse. I mean, one day you might be you know, diving on a deep shipwreck at Isle Royale National Park in Lake Superior, which is one of the, the freshwater Great Lakes. And it might be, you know, a 70, 75 meter dive in sort of two degree seawater. And the next, you know, the next week you might be um, diving in like five meters of water in on a Florida reef, you know, in the water temp 22, 23. See, you know, in in one you've got full thermals and a a heated vest and and gloves. And then on the other, you might be in a in a rash guard and a pair of board shorts. You know, one would be a full hypoxic rebreather, you know, with all sorts of backup and stuff. And the other might be a single aluminum, sorry, cylinder, um, you know, that or, or even just a snorkel. So, and, and that is the sort of sweep of our jobs. And, and you never really know from one year to the next where you're going to go or where the job's going to take you. And so the, the divers that I work with are really, um, you know, they're kind of good at all different things. You know, there, there are divers in the UK, absolutely phenomenal, like dive in terrible conditions in cold water, high current they're brilliant at it, um, you know, but that's all they die or that's what they die. And, and for us, that's only, you know, some, some of the time we dive in that and other times it's, it's something else. You, you have quite a close, um, quite close relationship with the military, US military. We do um, for two reasons. One is that um, we're sort of a natural fit for the military who, um, you know, what we've done is we've partnered with them and provided real world training opportunities where they're going out and they're actually looking for something that is important to us, like whether it's a shipwreck or a bit of airplane or, or something like that, um, you know, rather than just sort of fake training missions that really that someone, you know, mm. put there. And, and, and so the, that's been really, really a successful partnership. And then the other thing is, is that we we administer, preserve, and protect, you know, a lot of military sites as units of the National Park System for the United States, one of which we'll talk about shortly being, you know, Pearl Harbor um, historic monuments and, and the USS Arizona, USS Utah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's an incredible 
Yeah, it, it, it really is. And it's, it's, um, you know, I, I think that my, the skill that I bring to the job is not any particular skill, but rather uh, a, a bunch of very, very talented friends and colleagues that I can call on. And, you know, because if like, I don't know a lot, but I, I know the people who know the things that I'm going to need to know. So that's sort of my superpower that sort of sitting in the middle of a, of a big network of, of friends and colleagues of, of incredible talents. Yeah. So um, as we mentioned, you know, it's the 80th anniversary of the uh, sinking of the Arizona. So, you know, and the National Park Service, you explained, is involved in its preservation. So your involvement, when did that start and how did you get involved in that? Well, I started with the National Park Service Submerged Resources Center as a volunteer. Okay. And, and I kind of stayed on and on and on and eventually got a position and then eventually sort of moved up the ladder. And now I'm, I'm actually the director of the, of the center. And, and my initial introduction to USS Arizona was just as an archaeologist and as a diver. And that was in 2001. So 20 years ago now. Um, and that was, you know, the, the Park Service assumed the, the control and management of USS Arizona in the early 1980s. And at that point in time, the, the, the team that I work with began their, their work on the site. And, you know, their initial questions were really just, what's down there? Because, you know, it's, it's a massive battleship and, and parts of it stick up out of the water in Pearl Harbor, but people had no memory of, of the condition of anything on the ship. No one had actually gone out and, and gone diving. And, and the first dives that were made by, uh, uh, by a diving archaeologist, Dan Lenahan, who was the first uh, chief of the Submerged Resources Center, you know, there were five-inch naval shells sitting on the deck underneath the, the memorial where visitors were going back. There was, you know, there was live ammunition and ordnance there. And, and the number one turret with 14-inch guns was still sitting there on the ship intact. And, and everyone thought that, that all four of the turrets had been salvaged and the guns had been repurposed for coastal defense in Hawaii. And that wasn't true. So, so that was the, the first thing was, you know, just a sort of what's there. And then, you know, when I got involved in, in 2001, the questions had progressed to what's happening to what's there. So is it, is the ship falling apart? Is it leaking oil from a whole bunch of different places or leaking from one place? Is there, you know, um, are, are bits of the ship collapsing? Is the ship settling in more into the harbor bottom? Is it, you know, are some, some bits moving in one direction and some bits are moving in the other? All of those questions were sort of our early research questions. And so my, my initial work there was just to, to help with the measurements, help with assessment, help with drawing, help with the photography, and kind of recording and documenting what was happening to to the site, and that that process has continued. Right. Where over the last 
you know, that, that process probably continued for 10 to 12 years. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, as we started to gather more information about what was happening to what's down there. Now the question is, what should we do about it? Mm. You know, and is, should we intervene? Should we, should we do something to preserve, to, to take an active role in preserving the site? Um, you know, do we need to remove the oil? What kind of a pollution threat does it pose to, to Pearl Harbor and to the, the ecosystem of Hawaii? So all of those things were, ha, have kind of come on, on top of the, the first two questions. You know, the first one is what's there um, the next is what's happening to what's there. And, and now we, we are fully engaged in, you know, what should we do about it? But we're still also looking because the ship exists in a dynamic marine environment and it does change, you know, as conditions change and things change with the ship. So the live ordinance, which is there, you mentioned the five-inch ship, are they still in place? No, 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 no. Um, the team came up and said to the Navy, did, did you know that there <laughs> live munitions strewn around on the deck underneath where all these, you know, thousands of visitors every day are walking? And the Navy said, oh, well, yeah, we better sort that out. So they, you know, they sent over the uh, explosive ordnance disposal teams and they, they gathered up all the, the munitions and removed them off the ship. So, you know, there may be there probably is still live naval ordnance in the depths of the ship itself, but nothing like, you know, what, what, in, what was there in the early 80s when diving first started from the yeah. park. Yeah. It's good to understand uh, what there is there, isn't it? So, because um, I guess, you know, live ordnance can go off when it starts breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. So how did it feel when you first kind of dived on on that site? Well, I mean, I'll I'll try to paint a picture with words if I if I can. And you know, I mean, this the ship is is massive. Mm. It's eight feet long. It's it's ninety nine feet wide. Um, you know, it it blew up in a massive explosion on December seventh, nineteen forty one. The entire forward part of the of the ship is you know sort of mangled and, and dropped down that the the ship burned for three days after it sank as oil was released from the interior and then the navy salvage teams came and 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 cut all of the upper works off all of the you know the the um the kind of you know control rooms and and stuff that that mm -hmm. sits ship normally all of that was removed in preparation to to salvage and refloat the ship now that said the ship was built in 1916 so it was actually quite old at the time that it was you know mm -hmm. at harbor and was sunk but but you know the visibility in pearl harbor is not good it's quite murky i mean it's warm but but the visibility is probably you know, three or four meters typically. Sometimes it's five or six on a really good day. So, so it's a good day in the UK. That is <laughs> that's good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, aside from it being warm, it would be a perfect UK dive. You know, so, um, <laughs> we'd be happy with that. Yeah, but 
you know, you only experience this massive battleship in very small little vignettes, you know, and, and the only way to really understand it is to to try and look at things and, and, and recognize them or try and rebuild in your mind what they looked like when it was an actual floating city, when it was an actual floating battleship, you know, oh, that's a hatchway, oh, that's a mm -hmm. stair, oh, that's a, a ventilator, that's a, you know, that's a, a you know, one of the anti-aircraft um, tubs, you know, machine gun tubs, those sorts of things. Oh, there's the number one guns. And some of those things are quite easy to understand what they are. And some of them, you know, they've, they've been displaced, they've been turned upside down, they've been during the, the either the, the explosion, the burning or the salvage attempt. And, but, you know, all of this sort of jumble and, and, and experiencing it only tiny little bits at a time, you know, at some point, I think everyone who's diving on the site you realize that right below you, right below your chest, as you're swimming horizontally over the site, there's, um, you know, almost 1,200 sailors and Marines die in an instant. Yeah. And that is incredibly sobering. And, and you realize you're, you're swimming over the site of the largest loss of life in American naval history in a single event. Yeah. yeah. Must and, be powerful. This Incredible. It's it's incredible, you know, and 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 you know to kind of bring it home a little bit more. It's the you know World War II is an incredibly defining moment for for our countries and and for this this planet, and you know it was just such a massive historical event that stretched over so many years and millions of miles. But you need to understand that that for the men that were on USS Arizona, their experience of World War II lasted about eight minutes. Yeah. And the, the initial sirens like went off, like indicating that there was a Japanese air attack until that the bomb pierced that forward magazine and the whole front of the ship blew up and killed all of those men. That was the experience. They never got to live to, to see the reversal of fortune for the allies. They never got to live to see whether or not the Japanese invaded Hawaii or didn't, you know, whether Russia was successful in, in pushing back Germany, um, you know, how the invasion of Italy went, how um, the Australians did in, in Burma and elsewhere. All of those things were just absolutely unknowable and they all make sense to us. Yeah. Those men, they never had that opportunity. They never knew any of that. They never knew any of that would occur. Well, it's goosebumps, doesn't it? As um, uh, President Roosevelt said, it's a date that will go down in infamy. And, uh, and that's true. And that's, you know, it's, a, it's like your, um, it's a similar, it's another date like J July the 4th. It's a date that, you know, your country uh, and the world will always remember. You know, it's yeah. a, you will always remember that day. And, and, you know, remember Pearl Harbor became sort of the, the slogan for everyone. And, and, you know, and I think that that was really for the United States. You know, we had been edging towards war. We had been continuing and increasing our support of, of the UK and of, of other allied nations. But 
but there was still a, a really strong sentiment in yeah. the United States that this was not our war to fight. And, and I think as soon as the Japanese attacked at Pearl Harbor, almost all of that sentiment evaporated. There could be people listening to this uh, who might object to anyone diving on that wreck um, because of you know what it is and for the people who died on there but actually it's quite a responsibility that you do and you've taken um to to dive that site to understand because it you know it's really important uh you know that it is preserved you know and uh, those people are remembered so you know we, you've mentioned about that you know you dive to check the preservation how how do you go about preservation, preserving a wreck like that? Well, I, I think that every, you know, it, it, it is a, it's a, it's a sacred site. It's a tomb. It's a grave site. I think that, you know, just as the, the tomb of the unknown soldier or the kind of World War I monuments and, and, and graveyards that you see in Europe for, for, you know, fallen British soldiers and, and, and Americans and other allies, you know, each of those places is, is special and sacred, but it, it, it does require a human presence. And I think that yeah. very, very careful to, to be clear both to ourselves and to everyone else that, that we're there for a reason. We're not there for, um, you know, a recreational dive. We're not there to, to do something other than understand what's happening to the site yeah. and to be absolutely clear we do not penetrate the interior of the ship we never put divers inside out of respect for those men who died on the site but also as a straight up safety concern too i mean the ship is older and if someone got trapped inside you know there there's really nothing that that we could do how deep is it how deep is the wreck well you know, as I said earlier, bits of it stick out, yeah. so, you know, at, at all, you know, at high and low tide, you know, a couple meters of the ship still stick up out of the, the waters of Pearl Harbor. And then down to the mud line, I think it's probably about 10 or 12 meters. Okay. It's not deep at all, is it? No, not at all. No. Um, but you know the interior the the ship was was in very very badly damaged by the explosion um you know especially in the forward parts of it the the aft part is in in very good condition with a lot of structural integrity still but but we don't you, you know we have put remotely operated vehicles into the interior spaces to gather information about dissolved oxygen and water temperature and water chemistry and stuff that will help us to understand the degree to which Arizona is being preserved by the waters um, that surround it and the waters that are, are inside it. Um, but everything that we do has a, has a mission and has a purpose. And when we first started the, the research efforts, um, there was a lot of conversation with the men who had survived um, the attack and who were still around in the, you know, early 1980s about how do you feel about this? Is this appropriate? Do you have concern? What, what should we do? And, and, and 
you know, those conversations um, continued through the years and, and they always started with the, the veterans and the survivors and what their wishes were and how we could best, you know, treat the ship that they served on and, and the shipmates that they lost there. And, and so, you know, we're incredibly respectful. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to, to add to the, the sense of purpose and, and solemnness that that site yeah. um, has. And, you know, one of the things that we have done over the years, which is an incredible honor is if you served on USS Arizona and, and survived the attack and then you pass away, you can choose to, to have your remains cremated and then you can be interred on the ship with mm -hmm. your And so there's a ceremony, the Navy does the, the, you know, a Navy chaplain gives a blessing and, and you know, says words. And then the, the, um, the sailor or Marines remains are, are passed to a dive team and, and those are conveyed to a, a particular area on the ship and, and placed in a, in a special location so that those, those men who, um, you know, were 17, 18, 19 years old when the Japanese attack lived their entire lives. Yeah. They choose at the end of their lives to be put back onto the ship that they served on. It's, it's an incredibly moving experience. And mm. uh, it's been a great honor to be a part of a number of those. So you mentioned the, the um, oil that's leaking out. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion and that's in the news all the day, every day, about climate change and being aware of the environment and that. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, um, how bad is it? Um, is it, you know, well, so a factor? The, the, the single question that everyone gets asked, the, the Park Service staff that, that work there on a full-time basis, you know, visitors come to, to kind of, for those of our listeners who've not been there, you, you come, there's a, you know, you're on the mainland and, and you go through a, a museum to you kind of learn the story and then you, you see a, a movie about Arizona and its history and the attack. And then you, you leave the movie theater and you get on a boat and the boat takes you across a small portion of Pearl Harbor to the actual memorial itself, which sits over the top of USS Arizona. And so, um, and then you're there for about half an hour and then you take the boat back. And so most of the ship is not visible, and, and but what is visible is, is small droplets of oil. The, the ship is still leaking oil now. And those droplets of oil, when they get to the surface, they, they break and expand in a, in a very small sheen that covers the, the, the waters of Pearl Harbor. And so the question that the visitors always ask is how much oil is there and why don't we just pump it out? Because it's, it's visibly causing pollution in the environment. And, and so, you know, Arizona carried about a million gallons of bunker seed oil it was fully topped up and ready to go because tensions were high. The, the Navy was expecting a Japanese attack um, on the day that it, it, it was you know, sunk and then it burned for three days. And so our best estimate is it's about 
half of that oil is gone. Yeah. You know, consumed in the explosion and the subsequent fire that happened afterwards, which leaves about 500 to 600,000 gallons of bunker C fuel oil still on board the ship. Mm. What people don't understand is, is that it's, it's a battleship. It's not like a normal ship. So it doesn't have a single petrol tank. It's got many, many individual fuel bunkers. It was designed to withstand battle damage. Um, and so a single like enemy shell or torpedo hitting it wouldn't rupture the fuel and, and leave it without any kind of fuel. So there's literally hundreds of individual fuel cells on the ship. And so in order to pump out the oil, you would have to penetrate, physically penetrate each and every one of those cells. And, and as I said, you know, this is a war grave. Yeah. 1177 sailors and Marines. There is no physical way to remove that oil without destroying that site. Yeah. So that's kind of part of the answer. And then the other answer is, is that this oil, you know, if you take about a tablespoon of bunker C fuel oil, and poured it into an Olympic-sized swimming pool, that would spread out and cover the entire Olympic swimming pool. And so it looks like a lot of oil, it looks like a lot of damage, but in reality, it's not that much. So that that sort of glistening sheen, that that rainbow sheen that you'll see, that's when uh, the, those oil is about three microns thick. And that begins to rip reflect the light in a certain way. And so, you know, I mean, it's an incredibly thin film of oil that's very visible. And so, you know, given the fact that there's no way to address the oil leakage within Arizona, you know, what we've continued to advise the Navy to do when the Navy runs Pearl Harbor is <laughs> to stand by in case there is a larger release, but also just mitigate the individual you know, the small oil spills as they occur on a fairly regular basis. And, you know, taken in the context of, of America's probably largest and most active um, Navy base, literally containing hundreds of ships from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, the small amount of oil that leaks from Arizona is a relatively minor contaminant in the overall larger scheme of, of and that happens in the in the harbor itself. Yeah. So, what about the marine life on the ship? Well, so it's interesting that you should ask, Gemma, because what we've seen is over the kind of forty years that that we have been involved in studying Arizona, the the marine life has kind of blossomed on the site, and I think that that is, um, you know, credit where credit is due. The Navy has taken a very serious approach to to cleaning up their environmental impact in, in a general way. And the state yeah. of Hawaii has also um, done a lot of work to ensure that people are no longer, you know, changing the motor oil in their, in their vehicles and pouring it into the drain, which drains into the ocean, which is Pearl Harbor. And so just a kind of overall larger awareness of what the kind of general level of pollution is or has been in Pearl Harbor and that's cleaned up and so we see things like coral is growing again on you know on Arizona seahorses very sensitive indicator species of environmental health are mm -hmm. present and it's been kind of 
wonderful in, in a way to see the the ocean is beginning to kind of decorate the 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 wreck of Arizona with its own kind of um you know ornaments and and, yeah. and to, to kind of turn it from something dead into into something that's living yeah. yeah that's a nice way to kind of look at it that you know there's there's life on a ship that is kind of riddled with yeah deceased people it's a, yeah kind of looking after it yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. good and um is there any more plans to go back you know uh yeah actually I, I mean part of the reason that we're speaking today is um i, I wasn't available on December 7th, we'll be there for events um, that are the, the kind of 80th anniversary. We intend to uh, do a live broadcast from underwater on USS Utah. And I'll share a link for that with the, the, the Big Scuba podcast. And so people, you know, if, if people hopefully are enthusiastic or interested enough by what we're talking about today that they want to tune in and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'll probably be in the middle of the night in the UK, but um, you know there are Watch. people that are insomniacs or work nights, and, and it will be a bit <laughs> also recorded, um, or have very small children or young puppies that that need to get up and, and go out. <laughs> will we be able to download it later? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think okay. so. Oh, that'll be really interesting because it makes the whole podcast then kind of come alive as well for what we've just discussed so that's a yeah really really good yeah 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 really look forward to seeing that so because yeah it's just kind of inspiring hearing about it and then you can visualize it as well from you know the footage you've shown us and yeah what you're going to show us yeah next week well and you know I think we all we all met earlier and, and talked a little bit and I think that you know one thing that I would add is is that that you know USS Arizona is very well known, but it's not the only site. I mean, there, there are two, you know, naval grave sites all over the world. You know, German, British, Australian, Japanese, Italian, um, you know, U.S., Norwegian, Russian, Polish, you, you name it. And, and yeah. each site is kind of experiencing some similar things. And I think that, you know, they're they're all grave sites and they all deserve to be treated with dignity honor and you know and that and that's something that that we do but it's it's also you know our listeners out there i know that diving on u-boats and diving on submarines is, is a huge thing in the uk and you know it's sort of like people need to realize that that young men died on those those yeah whether they were german whether they were british whether they were whatever and 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 they do deserve a, a different level of respect than than some of the other sites that, that were on yeah that's like um for us the hood you know that went up within uh seconds and that went down you know uh with something like 14 1500 uh sailors bismarck very the same. Uh, Indianapolis, well, you know, it's another great big loss of life, wasn't it, on the Indianapolis, uh, the USS Indianapolis. So, you know, there's quite a lot. But the, the positive in this, though, is I think it's really great that, you know, the, that they are, they're not forgotten. Uh, life goes on 
on the wreck with, you know, you said with the, the ocean is taking part and decorating it and, uh, you know, and flourishing it with what the, what the, the ocean does, which is, which is really great. And, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a great mark of remembrance, you know, for us as the poppy, you know, and for the Arizona, it's all the sea life, seahorses. Yeah. And, that. and that's, a, that's a great way to, uh, you know, for the, the, that wreck to live on. Yeah. And an amazing, you know, thing for you yourself to be part yeah. of that. It just must be an incredible feeling. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really, it's an honor, um, you know, and, and just, it, it's so emotional to, to make those kind of ties. And, and I think that, you know, we're losing our World War II veterans at, a, at an alarming rate every day. You know, there, there are less and less of them, um, you know, and, and I think that younger people now, um, you know, don't understand Mm. Yeah, that era was what that generation did, and you know how they they took the 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 entire world, certainly the entire United Kingdom. You know, everyone put their lives on hold. Everyone stopped doing what they were doing and 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 did something else to to help defend the country and to to engage in this massive effort to to kind of defeat the forces of fascism and 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 you know, that kind of national unity and sense of shared purpose and, and common suffering and stuff is, is there are lessons there for everyone even today. I think yeah. that, you know, it's important that, that we continue to tell these stories and to share, um, you know, the values of, of sacrifice and service to a larger cause that, that were pretty common, you mm -hmm. know, people during the second world war and, 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 and are, um, not uncommon in, in some of our communities, but again, it doesn't hurt to be reminded like, Hey, you know, let's, let's all remember that, that people have done things and sacrificed to, to protect us, to keep us safe, to, to make it possible for us to, to live the, the way that we're living now. And, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with serving a larger cause and whether that's yeah. fires, you know, when you're out scuba diving, cleaning up marine trash or just doing something to kind of get outside yourself and, and to to make a, a contribution large or small. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When you're no. out doing something. Yeah. You know. And also people listening to this and hearing about your role as a you know, marine archaeologists, you know, it might inspire them to think, you know, I can do that below water as well yeah. as, you know, above water. And that's just a real special, you know, if it encourages, yeah. you know, a younger generation to think, you know, that's kind of a career and a, you know, have yeah. that, you know, healthy interest in things. Well, I think that, you know, if you, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, no. and, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm blessed and, and extremely fortunate that I've, you know, I've met people and who've helped me along the way and, and um, you know, made it possible for me to do the things that I'm, I'm doing. I, I love my job. I love the, the fact that the National Park Service, our mission is to preserve natural and cultural treasures that are here in the United States, unimpaired for future generations. And so... I do my job well, 
no one will ever know that I did my job. I will disappear and, and USS Arizona will be as we found it, you know, years ago. And, and, you know, your children and your children's children will have an opportunity to go out there and see that and to, to experience those stories. And, you know, that, that is a mission that the National Park Service has, whether it's at, you know, Yellowstone National Park or Yosemite or Death Valley or the Grand Canyon or USS Arizona or the Wright Brothers or, you know, any number of different sites that we have. And, and um, you know, I encourage everyone to come and visit, whether you're from the United States or elsewhere, if you're from elsewhere, so much the better, you know, and, and hopefully at some point this crazy world we're living in will kind of get a little bit back to normal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people will begin visiting back and forth again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great story. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, um, I think it's, we've got our three questions uh, that okay. we like to ask you. They are our set questions that we ask all our guests. Okay. Um, I'm going to kick off with, if you could take three people, diving um maybe it's to the arizona maybe it's to another wreck or just for a pleasure dive somewhere else but you could take three people uh, either family can be present day people can be people from history who would you take and why well i would take i would take them diving on arizona and i would take my dear friend and colleague, Don Johnson, who is a retired professor of metallurgical engineering at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. And he has been working with us as a scientist for over 20 years to help understand the corrosion mm -hmm. of Arizona. He's 97 years old. Wow. He, he still plays golf. He plays in a Dixieland uh, jazz band. Oh, cool. Jogging and um, jogging. He, yes, jogging. Um, and he he is a remarkable um, and and precious person. And and he has not had the opportunity to experience firsthand USS Arizona. So I would take him there. Wow. For, um, Did he I serve? would also. Uh, Did he serve? Uh, yeah, he did. He served in Korea. Oh, um, yeah. You know, he was he was he he was a teenager when the Second World War ended, um, and so you know he uh, he did he he served in in the army in Korea. Um, I also take um, my friend Phil Short, who I think has been on the Scuba podcast. Yes, I take him on Arizona just because. Um, I know how passionate he is about, you know, large shipwrecks and World War II things. And, and it's not a dive that that you can go on unless you have a, a reason for going. So, you know, suspending reality here to take someone, um, I would take, I would take Phil just, um, just to, to share with him, you know, that, um, that experience. And then I think that the third, the third person would probably be someone from my family, probably my brother. I would take my brother diving on Arizona because I think he kind of 
vaguely appreciates what I do, but I don't think he really understands what I do. Yeah. So to give him a, a bit of a visceral experience for this is this is your little brother in his day to day. I think hopefully that would uh, nice. that in his eyes a little bit. Yeah. Does he dive? Does he dive at all? Yeah, he, he he does. He's he 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 dives a little bit. You know, every couple of years he'll take me whitewater kayaking, which terrifies me, and every couple of years, him scuba diving, which terrifies him. So, you know, I, we're, we're a bit we're we're, we're working in, in in different areas of, of <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he would could take him diving, you know, on a ten meter dive in, in warm water on Arizona, and probably get yeah. him back. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're great, great choices. Yeah. So, if you could kind of chill and relax and go on a liverboard anywhere in the world, where would you take that liverboard and why? Oh my God! Are you offering? Because I, I'm, I. <laughs> yeah, we'll come along. <laughs> scuba podcast liverboard we should all go. Yeah, absolutely, we we there's a we have got one for October Rinsy. this year. <laughs> yeah, I think you know uh, like the the liverboard up in Filey Bay, Yorkshire isn't really what I had in mind, but <laughs> you know, uh I I think well, I, 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 it's it's so hard to say, you know. I mean, like maybe uh, a liveaboard to Bikini Atoll would mm. be incredible. Oh, I, I mean, I think that would be really brilliant to see those really big ships in that clear tropical water, and you know, diving on 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 USS Saratoga aircraft carrier nine hundred yeah. plus long, you know, sort of at I think the flight deck's 140 feet down. Sorry, I'm I'm mixing my feet and meter. No, that's fine. Right, you know? yeah. um, but I've also, you know, I've um, I really have a love for the Mediterranean. I did a project with Phil Short in Croatia years ago, and, and the diving in Croatia, the people, the 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 country is just absolutely fantastic. And then I. I I lived and, and worked in Greece for years. And, um, you know, I, I speak a little bit of the language and, and know a little bit of the culture and, and I just love it so much. So, you know, a dive live aboard, you know, around Crete or, you know, the nice would be, that'd be all right too. So history there as well. Options out there. You guys can decide and just tell me where I need to, uh, <laughs> Hop on the plane. You know, I'll, I'll be there with my kit, and and we'll go on the scuba podcast, Liverpool. Oh, awesome! Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I'd be on okay. a continuous one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last question for you. Okay, so you've got. We give you a billboard, and you can put anything on there. Okay, it can be a photo, it can be an image, it can be a statement, it can be a question can be a message that's one billboard and that message goes out to the whole world what are you going to put on it and why uh, it would be a big picture of our planet focused you know with with the largely the pacific ocean or just where you see the most amount of ocean and underneath i would just say love your mother you know because 
it's the only one we've got. We're not going to get another one, you know, and people think we're going to get in a rocket ship and, and fly to another planet and, and take that and turn it into something that looks like this, not happen at all, you know, and I think that, um, we are growing in our ability to positively and negatively impact this planet. And I think that, um, you know, it's going to be up to all of us to, to try and leave it in a better condition than, than, you know, and I think that, that the, the uh, American, the native American Ojibwe tribe, they, they have a saying and they say, you know, we don't, inherit this land from our forefathers we we borrow it from our children mm. and I said we need to turn our thinking around and, and and start thinking about how are we going to leave this planet for our children and you know it's like you don't like it when you walk into their room and there's toys everywhere and it's a huge mess and, and why are they going to like it when they walk out and the seas full of plastic and yeah. you know, have died and We've cut down all the rainforests and, and whatnot. So that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good view on it, you know, comparing it to a children's messy room. It is exactly yeah, what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. No, well, it's been brilliant. And um, yeah, really, really good. Really good. And I want to say, uh, you know, thank you very much for uh taking the time to talk to us about all this. And uh, well, you know, on thank you so much for, for well, being well, interested. I I I hope that the listeners out there, I encourage you all to visit national parks. They're there for everyone. Yeah. They're preserved for everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, do something to make this place a little bit better. Yeah. 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 And I hope it will spark people that maybe haven't looked at the history of Arizona or Pearl Harbor to, you know, just take a little bit of a look because, you know, for me, Probably I've learned loads, you know, just by talking to you. And it's just, yeah, really an incredible story and yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, well, thank, thank you for joining us on The Big Scuba. No problem. Okay, we're back, and uh, we hope you really enjoyed that conversation as much as what we did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought that was... Um, I learned actually quite a lot from uh, Dave. But I did, especially, yeah, because I've never really taken much, not interest, but it's not been something well, that you not, learn at school, is it? It's not so much, and it probably should be. Um, Pearl Harbor for us in the UK is never directly, mm. you know, our history, so to speak, you know, um, although it indirectly it is, it certainly, and it certainly did make a big impact. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been really good to have Dave on. It's a serious subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we kind of covered that okay. And, um, you know, it's been good to learn all these things and, uh, you know, know it's, you know, that th- that wreck will be there for hundreds of years to come. A couple of hundred years, they reckon, don't they? Yeah. yeah so. Which is great to know. And it's a great place for marine life as well. And obviously a, a tourist attraction that's quite a important place for people yeah. to go and i think with that lasting for at least say 200 years it does mean that you know those guys um who are still there will be remembered mm-hmm. for all those years to come and onwards you know so uh, 
Yeah, mm. and who knows with science, you know, advancements, it may be more than a couple of hundred years before, you know, it decays yeah. and implodes yeah. on itself. But yeah, it's all, I think, positive stuff, yeah. isn't it? Um, it's worth looking on the website. There's some good stuff on the uh, National Park Services website and also on the actual Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. um, Remembrance website as well and the museum. Yeah. Uh, some really good stuff there. And also, don't forget, there is other... There is other uh, wrecks out there as well so um, you know it's not just the Arizona no and we'll be putting some um, bits and pieces on YouTube as well f- that will kind of back up what we've spoken about and there'll be actual f- uh, physical film footage for you yeah. to see yeah there is so uh, so that's that um, we hope you enjoyed it and again thanks to Dave for coming on and we're going to get Dave back um, hoping to um, maybe in the ne- next year to talk to him about some of the... Because he's done some really interesting dives on some other wrecks as well. Well, so, and around the national parks. Yeah, in, so in that'd the, be really good to get uh, Dave back on and, uh, you know, uh, catch up with him in Yeah, and hopefully year. maybe one day dive with him. He asked well, that'd be nice. suggested being little junior park junior rangers. Junior rangers? <laughs> How's that going to work? That'd be I interesting. Know, quite a nice Can, title You'll add that to your CV alongside, my name's Gemma and I'm a coast guard. <laughs> And a scuba diver. And a scuba diver. <laughs> yes, not baby scuba diver now. Advanced scuba diver. Let's uh, uh, well, yes. be sure. Um, so th- that's that. We have got some well dones to mention. Yes, there's been uh, some good things in social media. First, I'm, I'm going to say well done to Sam, uh, Sam Sutherland, who's passed his uh, Paddy instructor course. Yeah, we've brilliant. met him. He was based Sam in Norwich. Instructor. Yeah, but he's out in Cyprus now. Yeah, so well done, Sam. And, uh, you know, uh, not an easy course to get through, becoming an instructor, but he's done it. Yeah, and he's a a youngster as well, so hopefully he'll take that far. Yeah, so well done to you, Sam. And Kelly, Kelly Woods. Yep. Of Scuba Libra fame. Yeah, she's done a 200th dive. I know. Where's she done it? Curacao. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So how cool is that? Thanks to Google there as well. I won't probably show how to pronounce it. <laughs> Could have had a stab at it. So somewhere quite exotic and lovely to die. Yeah, so, but well yeah. done. So well, well done. done to them both. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Okay. Um also want to say, you know, we can't do this without your support. Thank you for everyone who does help us and support us. It's really great. Uh you know, one way you can help us by just leave us a review. It's a simple thing to do. Yep. Wherever you go to download us, uh, we're on all the social media, uh, but podcast we're on all platforms. the podcast platforms. You know, when you download, just leave us a review. It helps. It's a free way you can support us. It helps spread the love. Yeah. So, for example, you go to Apple iTunes and look us up there and, yeah, just type a little review out. Yeah, great. that'd be really good. Thank you very much. And, um yeah, uh, that would really help us out. There is a Patreon system. Have a look on there. You know, for price of a cup of coffee, you can help pay some of the bills. It just helps us keep keep things going. Yeah, links um, are in the show Keeps notes. the lights on, you know, as it do. But that is what it is. Keep you know, the wheels moving. It, it certainly does. And um, that'd be really good. So, uh, but anyway, there is a free way you can support us. And that is by leaving us a review. Yeah. And if you want to chat to us, we're on social media. We're on Love Facebook. hearing from our listeners. We do. You listeners. Know. <laughs> and um, that'd be really cool. If you've got any, um, you've got some guests or something you want to share, because mm-hmm. our next guest has got something to share, um, you know, let us know. We want to hear from you. It's always really good. Any questions? Uh, get your feedback. Yeah, so look us up on Facebook, 
Instagram, yeah. Twitter. Let us know what you think about this last, you know, this present episode. You know, if you think uh, we missed something out, you think we got something wrong. Any questions for Dave? Yeah, then fire them over and we'll, you know, we'll come back to you on them. So, yeah. All right. So I think that's, that's fair enough. Um, coming up. We've got another guest. He, he who actually made contact with us, didn't he? Yeah. yeah sent us an email. He, he did. He listened to the podcast and thought, I'm going to make contact with them to Herbert. I think he said it was amazing. It is. Don't sound so surprised. <laughs> um, so we've got a book here, which is a really nice book, I have to say. It's a white book. It's about. <laughs> it's got writing. It's got <laughs> lots of pretty things on the front. Pretty fish and octopus. What's and it called? Sailfish. It's called the Secret Life of Fish and Other Underwater Mysteries. But by... the actual title of the book is the Eloquence of the Sardine. I missed that bit. <laughs> Those big letters. <laughs> This is why I didn't read books. Me and, me and books just don't get on. So it's books. I, I, I like to listen. That's why I like to listen to podcasts, you see, because... You don't have to look at words. Well, I just don't have patience for books. Yes. There's nothing against this book. This is a beautiful book. No, it's very pretty you know, to look but at. But I'm just being honest. I don't, don't, don't give me books to read. Cause... No. But anyway, it's called The Eloquence of the Sardine, and it's by Bill Francois. But you've read this book. Mm. You know, and it's a great book. It's a lovely book. It's about... Well, the underwater world and protecting it, yes. which is, it has an important message. Let it's me just not... read the back to you. Oh, no. So, in the blink of an eye, the sea was no more than an expanse of churning foam for hundreds of yards, an immense lapping, a dazzling chaos. Thousands of sparkling anchovy rose to the surface, panic-stricken, assailed by predators. Northern gannets dive-bombed the churn, like fallen javelins, dolphins darted deftly in and out, slicing through the swirling waters. Now, doesn't that want you? Does you, you want to read this now? I think, yeah, you're going to make an audible book. So there is an audible version. There is, yeah. You know, and this is this book is available at all your um, top. Well, it's available on Amazon yeah. um, as a hardback and Kindle as this well. So we'll. Definitely hardback, yeah. But yeah. it's a lovely little book, I think. It is. So, so tune in. Um, we'll put the links, um, well, we'll put those out when we talk to Bill. This would make a nice present for Christmas for Perfect. somebody. Yeah. If you've got maybe, I don't know, a uh, son or daughter who's probably 10. No, I think 12? it's anybody can read that, all yeah. ages. If you can read, that book will make you think about the underwater world, definitely. Okay. It's a lovely, some really nice... Um, you know, illustrations and uh, drawings. Yeah. Uh, when you th flip through, and um, the, the words are nice and big as well, which is you know for a lady of your for somebody mature, of your age. <laughs> yeah. Maturity. You don't need to put your specs on. <laughs> you don't. Anyway, but yes, I think um, it would make a lovely read. It's not a thick book. It... And the author is called Bill Francois. Francois. So uh, yeah, and. Bill's coming on to talk to us about his diving and to talk about his book. Yeah, I think that'll be really nice. And if you tune in, we might even be able to perhaps uh, prize two or three more to give away. Yeah, there'll be a little giveaway competition. So uh, how about that? We'll see if we can do a little uh, uh, giveaway competition for just for fun. Yeah, and yeah, thank you to Bill for contacting us yeah, as well. Yeah, that'd be good. Look forward to that. 
uh, be a nice positive one as well. And soon Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we can play some Christmas tunes. Who knows? Um, so I do believe that's kind of it, really. Yeah, for episode one hundred and two. So uh, once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Uh, don't get to tell your friends and think, you know, let's spread the love of the podcast and the, big, the diving world. Big you know, and uh, it's, you know, it's all it's all good. It's all happening. So. Really, until next week, that was the Podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone. And the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly. And thank you once again for downloading this episode.